Good morning, church. It is so good to see you. Whether you are here in person, whether you are online, I want to tell you, as I do every week, that I love you and I appreciate you. I'm so looking forward to tonight's celebration this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Again, as Mark said, I hope that you will all be with us this afternoon as we celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do with this wonderful group of his people here in this place. God is so very good to us. In fact, we decided that we were going to call this Sunday a Celebration Sunday. Instead of just Celebration Sunday or the Celebration Sunday, it is simply a Celebration Sunday because we believe that there will be many more celebrations in the months and the years ahead that God is doing and will do some incredible things. So I hope that you will be with us this afternoon as we celebrate together and reflect on what God is doing. This year we started a theme as we do every year and this year's theme is Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. And throughout the year, I want to take some some Sundays where we just specifically talk about the theme. Of course, I hope that every sermon series that we do throughout the year reflects on this theme to some degree, but every now and then I'm just going to kind of stop and not do a series and just do one or two standalone sermons where we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus, where is our focus? And really, what does, it, what does it look like? What does it mean in practical terms to fix our eyes on Jesus? Because I think that we can live our lives in a lot of ways self-deceived, can't we? Where we say, oh yeah, yeah, I've, I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. I, I'm focused on Jesus. I have my eyes fixed on him. I'm following him when really they, they may not be fixed on Jesus. And so we need to spend some time reflecting on that and asking ourselves, Are my eyes really fixed on Jesus? What does it look like and what does it mean to have our eyes fixed on Jesus? So this week and next week, we're going to spend some time reflecting on Colossians chapter 3 and thinking about that. But in order to introduce what I want to talk about this morning, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. My sister, she's actually um, my, my second in line of my three sisters, and she lived in South Africa for, for quite a while. And while she was there, she sort of picked up the, the vernacular of South Africa, which is sort of British in some ways. And so when she came back to the United States, when her and her husband moved back to the United States, she still had some of that British vernacular. So she would call the trunk of her car the boot, you know, and she would call an apartment a flat. She would call an elevator a lift. And my, my oldest son, Malachi, loved to tease her about the way that she would refer to different things. And he would say, we don't say that here. We don't say that here. And, and it, it became a running joke, so much so that even when she used American vernacular to refer to something, he would try to confuse her and say, we don't say that here. And so he, he loved to say that to her. We don't say that here. And it is hard, isn't it, when you go from one culture to a different culture? And you can even do that within the United States. You can go to a different place, and somebody might look at you funny. They may not say it, but they're thinking, we don't say that here. When, when I lived up north as a child, I was raised by parents who spoke native Texan. And, and we, we lived up north, though. And so I, I had to learn that at home... We said things like y'all and fixin' to. Now, I knew that y'all was a southern term, but I didn't know fixin' to was a southern term. I didn't know any other way to say that I was going to do something and, until my friends 
looked at me and said, we don't, we don't say that here. And, and I had to learn pretty quick that I had to adjust the way that I talked according to the local customs. And that's what we tend to do, isn't it? We tend to give way to local customs. We tend to give way to the way they do things in a certain area. We, we adapt the way that we talk. We adapt the way that we live. We adapt the way that we do things according to local customs. In fact, there's a very old saying that goes, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? When in Rome, do as the Romans do, which is exactly that, that when you are in a certain area, you adapt the way that you're doing things to the way that they do in that local area. But, but I would say that the gospel pushes back against that idea, at least to some degree. And the gospel would teach us that even when you are in Rome, don't always do as the Romans do. Do, in order to put it in heaven and earth kind of terms, that even on earth, even on earth, don't always do the way that earthlings do. Don't always do the way that earth people do, earthly people do. Even on earth, do as it is done in heaven. In fact, isn't that what Jesus taught his people to pray? To pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, And so he teaches us that we don't always adapt to the local customs. We don't always adapt to the earthly way of doing things. That our job, as soon as we become followers of Jesus, as soon as we are baptized into Christ, we become different kind of people. We become heavenly humans. And we adopt a new set of customs. And even on earth... Even on earth, we do as it's done in heaven. In fact, I think so often we talk too much about going to heaven when we ought to be talking about bringing heaven. We talk a lot about going to heaven when we ought to be talking about bringing heaven, bringing heaven's kingdom here, bringing heaven's customs here in the way that we live our lives. In everything that we say and everything that we do, we are to be bringing heaven's kingdom to the world around us, that instead of doing as they do on earth, we do as they do in heaven, even on earth, even on earth, we do as they do in heaven. So that's the big idea, but let's look at what that looks like in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, I just kind of want to stop there for just a second. If then you have been raised with Christ, what does that mean? Who has been raised with Christ? Well, if we look back at Colossians 2 and verse 12, we see that the people that have been baptized, if you've been baptized into Jesus, then you have been buried with him and you've been raised with him. So if you've been baptized, then you've been raised with Jesus, assuming that you didn't stay in the water, right? I don't know anybody that stayed in the water. We all came up out of the water. We were resurrected. We were raised up with Jesus. And so Paul says, if this is true of you, if you've been baptized and you've been raised up out of the water, then here's what you do. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Now, what does that mean? 
what does that mean? What does it mean? Don't seek the things that are on earth. Seek the things that are in heaven or things that are above. What does that mean? Does that mean like don't have a job? Does it mean don't have a hobby? Does it mean don't take care of other people's needs? Does it mean don't enjoy things? Uh, Of course not, right? That's not what Paul means. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, he would condemn asceticism, which is the harshness of the body and saying don't touch that and don't taste that and don't experience that. And so he would condemn asceticism and say these kind of rules about not enjoying anything, that doesn't do anything to help you spiritually. So this isn't what Paul has in mind when he says don't set your mind on things on earth. It's not don't experience or don't even enjoy things of the earth. He's talking about what do you seek? What do you set your mind on? When he says seek, it's about desire. It's about what are you chasing? What are you striving for? What are you aiming at? When he he talks about setting your mind on something, He's talking about what is your perspective? What is your outlook? What is your point of view? I've used this metaphor before, but I like it so much, I'm going to use it again. It's kind of like setting your clocks ahead. You may have done that before. I don't like to wait until after the time changes to set my clock ahead. I like to do it a little bit ahead of time, or at least begin to think as if the time has already changed. So I begin to grow accustomed or acclimated to what the time is going to be. I know the time's going to shift. I know the time is going to change. I know a change is coming. So I'm going to go ahead and set my internal clock ahead one hour so that I'm ready for the change. And isn't that what Paul is saying? He's saying, set your heart, set your mind ahead, not to earth time, but to heaven time. Set your internal clock ahead to heaven time because you know a change is coming. You know Jesus is coming. You know that everything is going to change and the way things are are not the way things are always going to be. And because you know that's true, because you know that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, you have to have a different way of thinking. You have to have a different perspective. Your internal clock has to be set ahead to heaven's time and not to earth's time. You can't believe that Jesus is now the King, the Messiah, the Christ, that he's seated at the right hand of God and think nothing's changed. Everything's the same. You can't, you can't believe that. If you believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, then you need to go ahead and set your clock accordingly. Set your mind accordingly. Set your heart accordingly because when Jesus became King, everything Change. Look at verse 3. He says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love, I love the way that he's contrasting the hidden and the appears. You know, earth, earth people earthly people have a custom, right? We have a custom. And and everybody really has a status. Everybody has a status, don't we? We all have status. We all have rank. We all have importance. 
But the earthly custom is to try to demonstrate and make visible what our status is with certain symbols, right? We try to, or earthly people rather, try to make visible their status. We even call them status symbols. And we have this tendency on earth Earthly people have this tendency to try to measure one another up and look at each other and say, ah, okay, I see what they drive, I see where they live, I see what they wear, I see what they look like, I see their beauty, I see their wealth, I see their whatever, and therefore I see their life. I understand them, I know where they rank, I know their status because I can see their life, I can see their status, right? But... Paul is encouraging us. Jesus is encouraging. The gospel is encouraging us. Heavenly people don't play that game. Because your life is what? Hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your goals are not to make visible your life. Look at how important I am. Look at how beautiful I am. Look at how whatever I am. Because your life is hidden with Christ in God. Earthly people have this custom of making their life visible, of making their status visible, of saying, this is who I am. Can't you see who I am? Can't you see how important I am? In fact, earthly people have a custom of asking, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? You can't treat me like that. Don't you know who I am? But heavenly custom, the heavenly custom is to hide away our life. Because that's what heaven is. Heaven is the unseen realm. Heaven is the unseen place. And Paul says, if you belong to Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been raised up with Christ, then your life isn't visible yet. Your life is still hidden. Now, there will come a day where your glory is revealed. It appears, but that's only when Christ appears. When Christ appears, then your life, because Christ is your life, you will appear with him in glory. Then it will be revealed. That's who they are. That's who they are. But this whole time, their life has been hidden away with Christ in God. In fact, I would say, I would say that the most important person in the world, do you know who the most important person in the world today is? Nope. I don't either. And, and she's probably somebody we've never heard of, never will be written about in history books, has no status symbol, has no visible way of saying that's an important person. That person is significant. There's no way to know because whoever it is that is the most important person in the world today, their life is hidden away and is not visible yet. Do you see the, the contrast between the earthly way of doing things and the heavenly way of doing things? The way we used to do things and the way we're supposed to now be doing things in Christ? Is your life hidden with Christ in God? Or are we still chasing the visible life? Are we still trying to demonstrate to our neighbors and our community, look at who I am, this is who I am, see all of my stuff, see all of my beauty, see my clothes, see my car, see my whatever, and see who I am? Or are we content with our life being hidden away with Christ 
in God. He says, verse 5, put to death, therefore, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now notice, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in your neighbors. <laughs> is that what he said? Nope. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in your community. Is that what he says? Nope. Put to death what is earthly in the world. Nope. Put to death what is earthly in you. In fact, in Greek, what he says is, put to death your earthly members. Put to death your earthly members. There is a culture war. There is a culture war, a culture war between earthly customs and heavenly customs. But that culture war is raging in you. That culture war is raging in me. This is where I need to fight the battle, is in me. Because I'm still so very earthly. And I have two natures at war with one another. And I am still mortal. And I still have a tendency to do things in an earthly way. To say, look at who I am. You can see who I am. Look at these visible markers of who I am. Look at these visible symbols of who I am. That's earthly. And Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death your earthly members. And when he says earthly members, he's not talking about put to death your earthly hand, put to death your earthly foot, put to death your earthly mouth. He's saying put to death your earthly members, which are your sexual immorality and your impurity and your passion and your evil desire and your covetousness. Put these to death. Now, We've been raised up with Jesus, and everybody he's writing to has been raised up with Jesus. But that doesn't mean the battle's over yet. Every single day, every day, we have to mortify. We have to put to death whatever is earthly in us, our earthly members, and recognize that this is the battle. The battle is happening right here. To recognize we don't say that here, they may not say that here. They may not do that here. But that's the way it's done in heaven. And so that's what we've got to live out. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard living out the customs of one place when you're living in another place. But that's exactly what we're called to do, is to no longer live as merely earthly people, but live as heavenly humans. Putting on this new self. Look at verse 7. In these, in these things, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. See, earthly people, and again, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. Earthly people have a custom, don't we? Earthly people have a custom that when someone hurts you, you hurt them back. When somebody attacks you with fire, you fight fire with fire. 
When somebody shows you how strong they are by challenging your strength or your wisdom or your savvy, then you have to show them how strong you are by responding in kind, right? These are all earthly customs. This is the way that it's done. When somebody slaps you, you slap them back because you have to show them how strong you are. You have to show them they can't treat you that way. You have to show them you're not going to take it. You have to show them you're strong enough to stand up against them. These are earthly customs. And Paul says, no, no, you can't live that way anymore. You've been raised up with Christ. And now you've got to set your mind on things above, not on the earthly way of doing things. Now you've got to put these things to death. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk, inappropriate talk. Earthly people have this tendency to say, if you're bad, if you're my enemy, if you've hurt me, then I'm going to talk about you as badly, as inappropriately, as angrily, as wrathfully, as maliciously as I want to because you're a bad person. And Paul says, no, not if you're a heavenly human. That's not how you talk anymore. This is not the heavenly custom. This is the earthly custom. And now that you're in Christ, you're a different kind of human being. This doesn't reflect your heavenly humanity to talk this way anymore. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk, this has no place amongst those who've been raised up with Christ but how often do we slip back into these ways of talking, into these ways of living? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. How often do we slip back into these habits? Why? Because that's how they do it here. That's how they do it here. That's how everybody does it here. That's how life works here. And if we do it differently and we live differently and we talk differently than we did before, we might get run all over. People might look at us and say, Wes, that's ridiculous. That's not how life works here. And we say, I know, but it's how life works there. And my job and all of our job is to live out the ethics, the customs of heaven here on earth. Our job is to bring heaven's kingdom. Our job is to live out heavenly customs. We have a new set of customs. Look at verse 9. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of of its creator. You see, Christianity is not just a new set of rules. Christianity is not just a new set of rules. The the new rules aren't that much different than the old rules. Christianity is not just a new set of rules. It's about a new self. It's not a new set of rules. It's a new self. And the word self there is actually anthropos, where we get anthropology the study of being human. So Paul is saying, put on the new humanity. 
Take off the old humanity, put on the new humanity that is being renewed in the image of its creator. It's about becoming a new kind of human. And with this new humanity comes a new set of customs, comes a new set of practices. It's about becoming someone new, becoming something new, becoming a new kind of self, a new kind of human. But it's so very difficult, isn't it? Because we still live on the earthly plane and they, things still are the way they are on the earthly plane. And the way customs are on the earthly plane, no matter where you go in the world, they reflect these things, don't they? Sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness and anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk. This is the earthly custom. All of these things are the earthly customs. But Paul says, but you in Jesus are becoming something new. And you've got to live according to the new self, the new humanity. You are becoming heavenly humans. So here's my encouragement for us this week. Here's my encouragement. Before we say anything, before we do anything, before we post anything, before we tweet anything, before we repeat anything, look to heaven. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and ask, does this reflect, does this reflect my heavenly humanity? Does this reflect my heavenly humanity? If I do this, if I say this, if I post this, does this reflect my heavenly humanity or my earthly humanity? Does this reflect earthly customs or does this reflect heavenly customs? We're going to talk more about this next week, but I want us to, to try practicing this this week. Before we say something, before we do something, before we post something, look to heaven, look at Jesus, and ask, does this reflect my heavenly humanity or my earthly humanity? Does this reflect who I'm trying to become in Christ Jesus? Or does this reflect who I'm trying not to be anymore? Because Christianity is about becoming something new. It's about becoming someone new. It's about what Jesus is doing in us to transform us into the image of our creator. We are becoming something new. And we have the choice every day whether we will live and act and talk in a way that reflects who we were and who we're trying not to be anymore or who we've become and who we are trying to be. We have a choice whether we will act and talk and live in such a way that reflects our earthly humanity, who we were before, or our heavenly humanity, who Jesus, who the Spirit is transforming us to be. And that's the, the reality into which we stepped when we were baptized into Christ. When we were baptized into Christ, we died to doing things according to earthly customs. And when we were raised up with Jesus, we became a new kind of human being. And our job now, as baptized believers, is to live out that heavenly humanity. And the Spirit is working within us to help us to do so. And I'm so thankful that Jesus is so very gracious 
because so many things that we have said and so many things that we have done have fallen short of that goal. But that is the goal, isn't it? To fix our eyes on Jesus, to set our minds on things above and not the things of the earth and to try to live out in everything that we say and everything that we do our heavenly humanity. So if there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to die to self, to die to the earthly way of doing things and to be buried with Jesus and to be raised a brand new human, a brand new human with a clean slate, with the spirit of God given in you and and to be transformed into something new and you're ready to begin that journey or maybe you need to recommit to that journey or maybe you need help or maybe you need prayers or maybe you need encouragement. The only way we live out this new humanity is together. There's no way to live as a new kind of human in a solo sort of way. We can only do it together. So if we can help you this morning, our shepherds would love to visit with you at the information desk as together we stand and sing this final song.